0: You can open up in your Bible. We're going to be over in Romans chapter eight, first. There's a young person fresh out of school who was going on a job interview, and he went into the human resources department. And they asked the uh, the young accountant, just fresh out of graduating from school, what starting salary would you would you like to, to have? What kind of starting salary are you thinking about having? And the accountant said, "Well, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred thousand dollars." And the interviewer said, well, what would you say to a package of five weeks of vacation, full medical and dental, company retirement fund to 50% of salary, executive share option scheme, profit-related pay, and a company car leased every two years, say a 5-series BMW? The accountant sat straight up and said, are you kidding? The interviewer said, yeah, but you started it. Well, it's good to aim high. We're talking about the things that we have, the things that we aim for, and the things that we endure today. The last couple of weeks, number of weeks we've been on the healing is for me, that healing does belong to me. Glory to God for that. We learned over in Proverbs sixteen twenty-three a couple of weeks ago, the Word of God says, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and has learning to his lips. We need to let our heart or our spirit teach our mouth the things to say and not just keep saying things that have no bearing, have no uh, no uh, substance in our beliefs. We looked at our confessions. We looked at the things that we need to say. The things that we need to... Hebrews was talking about it. Hang on to the profession of your faith. And we need to make sure that we do these kind of things and not just give in to our profession of faith, to the thing that we're holding on to, just because circumstances don't look right, just because we don't feel the right way. It's not based on feeling; it's based on believing. We also looked at Romans ten last last week. Romans ten thirteen and through fifteen. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Well, you can't believe unless you hear. You can't believe unless you hear. And that's why it says over in Mark chapter 4, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Just reviewing right now, last couple of weeks. Take heed what you hear. Don't just... Be willing to hear anything. Take heed of it. Be careful of the news reports that you get. Careful of the TV shows that you watch. Careful of the books that you read, the magazines you take in. You be, you take heed of what you hear. Because as you as you hear, so can you believe. If you don't hear it, you can't believe it. We talked about it before, but it's amazing how many expert economists that our news media finds, news media finds, who are constantly surprised at good news. Every time you hear good news on the news, every time, if unemployment goes down, economists are surprised that the that the uh, unemployment rate went down. If interest rates go down, economists are surprised. If inflation holds holds at a good number. Economists are surprised if mortgages aren't foreclosing enough. The economists are surprised. I mean, constantly, you listen to it. If they bring them about good news on the economy, they're surprised. But they have, they have bad news, they expected it. How good are these guys? And yet, when you hear that, you can begin to form beliefs about the economy. And those beliefs can be good to begin to erode... Your, your faith, even in God. Because you'll be going to go out there and you'll see all this, oh, I hope I still have a job next week. And soon a fear comes in. And that fear is based upon what you heard. You can't believe it if you didn't hear it. Stop feeding on stuff like that. First off, folks, the Word of God is so good and God's economy is so good that even if all the world went bad, God would still take care of you. Amen. God took care of Abraham, didn't He? When all the famine and all the bad stuff's going on around him, he's getting rich. If God can do that for Abraham, can he do it for you? But then he said he would do it for his descendants? So stop worrying about what's going on. If they're laying off people at your job, glory to God, I have favor. I have favor. Father God, I thank you. I have favor in my job. I have favor in my job. I love that story. I know I told it to you before. One guy who was saying that he was gonna I think Dole was telling us about it. The guy was going out saying, I'm going to double my salary. I think it was two years ago he was here. He was telling us about it. The guy was going to double his salary. Then he loses his job. He's still hung on to that same confession. I'm going to double my salary. Sure enough, he did. He's walking into a diner, going around looking for job interviews, and here's a guy offered him a job, doubled his salary. But well, just don't give in to it. You can't believe it if you don't hear it. So take heed to the things that you hear. You can't believe you're ugly unless someone tells you. Right? I mean, how many people have a problem with their looks? They think, oh, I don't look so good. People probably think I'm ugly. Why do you, why do you believe that? Because somebody probably told you, take heed of what you hear. Now, you can't stop everything from coming into your ears, but you sure can stop yourself from hearing it. There's times I hear some bad reports, hear some things. I'm just not going to hear that. I'm not about to hear that one. Nope. I don't, I don't care about that. You just be careful. Take heed of the things that you hear. I hope you put that ref- that verse on your refrigerator. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Well, that was last week. Let's move on to some things we have for this week. Three things we're going to be looking at today. What I have, what I aim for, and what I endure. What I have, what I aim for, and what I endure. But right now, I have some things. Don't you have some things? I always have some things. All of you, you have a car, you have a house, a place to live, you have furniture in that house, you have a bank account, and you have some money in that bank account. Some of you have a savings account. Some of you have, uh, MP3 players and stereos and TVs. You have stuff, right? Some of those things that you have are good. Some of those things that you have are just kind of, you're kind of neutral to them, they're okay. And some of those things that you have are bad. How many of you got some aches and pains that you say, they're bad. I'd rather not have those. Well, why do I have those things that I have? Why do I have the good things, the neutral things, and the bad things? Why do I have them? First off, some of them are pursued. I pursued after some of those things. Why do you husbands have a wife? Why do you wives have a husband? Isn't that something you pursued? If you have a house, isn't the house something that you pursued? If you have a cat or a dog, isn't that something that at some point you pursued? You went after the thing? If you have a car, isn't it something that you pursued? You didn't just wake up one morning and there was a car outside. You pursued it. You went after it. You looked for a car. You tried different cars. You tried looked at different houses. You tried out a few cats. (coughs) Find one that fit. You pursue some things. You don't just they didn't just fall upon you. So the first thing we have is stuff we pursue. There's other stuff we discover. I didn't know I had that. Look at that, I got that. If you go up in the attic, haven't been up there in a while, and all of a sudden, oh, I didn't know I had this up here. I'll bet I could use that. You got some stuff, you discover it. You got some hidden talents and abilities. You didn't know that you had those. But all of a sudden, you, wow, oh, I can do that pretty well. I mean, if somebody can play the piano, trumpet, things like that, that's generally something that you pursued. You showed up at music lessons. You didn't just discover that you could play the piano. You pursued it. But there's other things you can just you can just discover. Oh, look at that talent ability I have there. Other things attached themselves to you. You didn't want it, but it attached yourself. How many of you have a cat because that cat attached itself to you? Came out in the back window... And you felt bad for it, started feeding it, pretty soon it started hanging around and just became part of the family. It just attached itself to you. Now a house won't attach itself to you. You gotta pursue that. A car doesn't generally attach itself to you. You gotta pursue that. But some things can actually just come after you and they just, once they get a hold, they just attach themselves. How many of you think that your kids are that way? They just attach themselves to you, all of a sudden there they were. They just keep following around calling you mom. Seen people walk around with that shirt. I don't know who these kids are. They call me mom. <laughs> they just showed up. Well, we have things that we pursued, things that we discovered, and things that attach themselves to us. Sickness and disease is not something generally we pursue, it's something that attaches itself to us. We didn't necessarily want it. How many of you didn't want it? But it attached itself, it got hold. It wasn't something I was looking for. Or just discovered, but it attached itself to me. Of the things that I have, I decide what to keep, change, or improve. Of the things that I have, I decide what to keep, change, or improve. If you don't like the furniture you have, maybe you want to change it, so you get rid of the other, you have a yard sale, take it up to the thrift store, whatever it is, and get rid of it. But you decide, if you're going to keep the thing, you decide if you're going to change it, if you're going to decide you're going to improve it. If you don't like your car, you might want to improve it and get a better one. Get a newer one. I decide what to keep, what to change, what to improve. I want you to get this one down. What I have takes no faith to possess. What I have takes no faith to possess. You already have it. It does not take faith to possess what you already have. In Romans eight twenty eight, verse twenty two. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until together until now. Not only that, but we also, who are the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance." If you're hoping for something to come, then you're in faith for it. But if it's already here, you're not hoping for it anymore. If you wanted to change your car out, get a different one, and you went to the car dealer, you took your old car, traded that one in, got a new one, drove off with it. You don't go on from that point, I hope to get a new car. You already got it. If you moved into a new house, you don't sit there and say, I hope to get a new house. You already have it. It's already yours. It already belongs to you. You don't hope for what you already have. So what you have does not require any faith. doesn't require any doubt. What you have, you have. You can doubt what you have, but you still have it. You can have faith what you have, but you still have it. It makes no difference whether you doubt or have faith in what you have because you still have those things that you have. Unless you decide to get rid of it. How many of you all like to collect some things? Until you get rid of them, you have them. They don't go anywhere. Wouldn't you like it if all that stuff you just can kind of just think, oh, all that stuff in the attic that I don't want just disappear right now. They don't work that way. you got to go up there and go through it all and figure it all out. What you have takes no faith to possess, folks. You've got it. Now, there's things that I aim for as well. Over in Genesis chapter 13. Let's turn over there. This is a familiar story to you. We're not really going in after all the things from it, but we'll get a few. Genesis chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, "Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward." The place where he is is just north of Jerusalem. He's right. Right um, to the west of Jericho. To the north of Jerusalem. This is the location where he's at. Kind of central to the land of, of Israel. So he says, look up to the north, the south, the east, and the west. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land, through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the turban trees at Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. Well, what's God doing for him? He's giving he's built this is what you're hoping for. Look out there. Aim for this. I want you to look north, I want you to look south, I want you to look west, I want you to look east. All this land I gave you. Even though Lot just took off in one of those directions. God didn't give it to Lot, he gave it to Abram. Abraham as we know. Him. He said, look out there, take a look at it. Well that takes faith to possess something that you don't have. He could just go out from there and just knock on the door of the people who lived to the north and say, this is my land, will you please get off? He couldn't go south and say to the people, clear out, this is my land. It was still future. There are things that are not with me now, but I feel like they will or can be. How many of you feel like you can have a better job than you have? How many of you feel like you can get paid better? How many of you feel like you can learn more than you know now? How many of you feel like you can have better kids? Better spouse? Nah, you stick with the one you go. There are things that are not with me now, but I feel like they will or that they can be. That's that's aim. I'm aiming for this. I, I know I have this job, but I'm aiming for this one. I know I have this area of ministry, but I'm aiming for this one. I know I walk in this anointing, this understanding, but I'm aiming for this. This is where I'm going. you got something that you're aiming for. Well, that takes faith, doesn't it? Because you're there's hope in that it's future. There's hope in that it's future. Now some, sometimes I feel like I can have something because of the path I'm on. If you're on a path, say you're younger, and you're on a path, you're in school. you got four years of school, seven years of school, eight years of school ahead of you, and you feel like at the end of that, I will have something that's better. Just because of the path that you're on. You don't necessarily know for sure but you think that after four years of education, six years of education, eight years of education, I'll do better in my in the job market than I will right now. That's why you're going. Or that's why you did or are going to school. Others, because of a promise made. I mean, if you ever worked for somebody who said, if you'll stick with us in five years, we'll do this. We'll put you here. We'll do this for you. Well, what's that do? That gives you hope. I feel like I'm going to be having something better down the road. I feel like it's going to get better. I've got a promise. Well, God's given us a promise that things will get better. That things are going to improve. That things are going to get better for us. He's given us promises in the area of health, He's given us promises in the area of finances. And we've got to pursue those things, but we have a promise. So it's a hope, and therefore there is faith on those things. Hope is never unknown. Hope is never unknown. Please understand that. whole lot of stuff going on in the political circles right now. People want you to hope for this and hope for that. But they're not telling you what to, what to hope for. Hope is known. Especially with the Word of God, folks. Hope is known. God tells you what to hope for. He doesn't say, just stick with it and maybe it'll get better. God always points it out to you. He says, this is what's yours. This is your promise. Whatever is future involves faith in something. Whatever is future, folks, involves faith in something. It involves either faith in God, faith in His promises, faith in His word, faith in an employer, faith in an educational system. It involves faith in something. You got faith in something that's giving you that hope. You got a promise from a boss. You got an upcoming contract or educational benefit that you feel like you'll have. That's where your faith is. We have to make sure though that we don't put our faith in the wrong thing. Don't put your faith in education. If God says go out there and learn this, go out there and get this degree, go out there and get that degree. But don't put your faith in it. Keep your faith in God. Write this down. Misplaced faith causes misguided hope and mistaken benefits. Misplaced faith Causes misguided hope and mistaken benefits. What do we mean by that? Well, how many of you have faith to grow a business? You can have a misguided hope into a promised contract. Somebody calls you up and says, I want to order this from you. I want this kind of a contract with you. I want you to do this for me, whatever it might be. So I initially have faith in God to bring about my growth in the business that I have. Right? Have you been in those kind of places? You have faith in God to bring that about. And then all of a sudden, I got my faith in God, but then someone calls in with a big contract. And all of a sudden, I take my faith from believing in God to believing in this contract. And my faith switched. I went from believing God to bring about His promises to believing in this person giving me the contract see, that's the first part you made a mistake at. Misplaced faith causes misguided hope and mistaken benefits. My hope is now not that God is prospering me, but that this contract comes through. If the contract doesn't come through, I then go back to my original faith, which was faith in God, and say, God let me down. But what happened was I got my faith off. I got my faith believing that this is the way it was going to be coming about. This is the way it was. I got misguided hope and mistaking benefits. I thought my benefit, what became, this contract is mine. There's no place in the Word of God that He says, a contract is yours. There is no place in the Word of God that He says, a job is yours. But He does say, He's going to prosper you. He does say, He's going to give you favor. So I can go into any job and say, Father God, I thank You that I can have favor on this job interview. I thank You that I can have favor with this contract. But if anything happened along the way that caused that thing to go out, I I have my faith in God still. And I go back to God. God, is this something that I should still pursue? And if in my spirit God says, yeah, keep pursuing it. Get out there. Don't give up. I get out there and I give up because my faith is in God. And so I go out there and I present it again. I talk to Him again. We find a, a way to get that thing done. And eventually you can do that. But... There's no promise that God has that He will change people's will to fit into your scheme. Your thing. He doesn't do that. It's still up to them. So just rest easy. Don't get that misguided hope. I told you this story before. One of the places, there's a place on Long Beach Island when I was selling horseradish and cocktail sauce and all that sort of stuff and I walked into this one place. He was ready to come in on the island. It's a pretty big spot. Our company had tried a few times to get in there. And so I figured, well, I'll just try again. And so I went in there and this guy told me, no, I don't need your stuff. He told me no six times. And I kept coming back with something else. I eventually got out of my truck and drove away, got down the road, thought of something else. Drove back to his store, popped into his store again and said, hold on a minute. Can you use some of these? Well, yeah, I could use some of those. Started home on those things. Got into the business. He ended up being the largest account we had on the island. But I had to get through six no's in order to turn him around. Now, I went on a streak there because I, I worked there for a while. Took a year off, went down to Tulsa. Came on back. I went on a streak when I came back. I satisfied or got past every no for two years. Everyone who told me no eventually told me yes. Everyone. For two years. I find, now, I was eventually running out of places to sell. you got to understand, when I came back, I went on a tear. I had doubled the route the first time I had it. I took off a year. When I came back, it took two people four days to do what I did. And I came back, they said, take some more time going out there. So they gave me more time. When they gave me more time, I doubled the route again. I went into every single store. I owned every seafood store, every supermarket, every almost every takeout store, and many of the restaurants. We didn't want all the restaurants, so I got the ones that we could. I knocked out our competitor. We had competition there was us and another company, and I knocked out the competitor. They folded up and they moved out of Jersey. Another competitor decided to make up for the, the gap came down from New York, took his stuff all around all of my stores, gave them all free stuff to sell. They sold the free stuff and told the guy to pack up his stuff and go home. I was the only person selling horseradish and cocktail sauce in South Jersey by the time I left it. Knocked out everybody else. We doubled the route. When I took over that route first, they told me the route is done. The route is Saturated. We have all the business we need from down there. We don't need any more. We can't really get any more is what they said. I doubled it twice. They've since I left continued to increase it. Glory to God. It should keep on going. Now I worked there for 10 years and we had this one really large account down in South Jersey. Very, very large account. If I told you its name, you probably would know it. And for years they would tell me you cannot go in there and sell them PCPs because by this point they were convinced if I did, I would. And they said, we can't handle it. We cannot handle their business on that. We we can't make that money. We're having a hard enough time keeping up with it now. Because one of the accounts I picked up on Long Beach Island took those PCPs and really stressed out our company. Just trying to keep up with this one guy. And they didn't want me to go get another guy who was probably three times bigger. So I I didn't. But then eventually they said, all right, we got more machinery. If you want to, you can. And so I went in there and I started working with it. It took me a year. And just as I was leaving the company, they agreed and they said, we're going to switch over and we're going to use yours. They now take so much stuff down to this place that no longer can the truck I drove hold it. They now have to go down there, do the order, and they send a truck to this store by itself. Don't take no. You listen to your spirit. But just because somebody says no to you doesn't mean that it's done. You always listen to your spirit. Father God, what else can I do? How can I get in there? And I'm always dependent on God. God, how can I sell them this stuff? How can I how can I get this into into this company? How can I do it? And you gotta get that from God. God will give it to you. Now there are some people, I thought for two years I finally got a no. It was a small account. I really debated about even going in there. It was a small account. They said no. And I said, you know what? You're probably not worth the hassle. And I left. I didn't say that to them. I was thinking that. <laughs> I didn't say that to them. But I just uh, just left out. There just wasn't any other really good accounts to pick up out there. I picked them all up. But you've got to listen to your spirit. See, God will prosper you on the thing, but you've got to believe that you can prosper. You've got to believe that you can increase it. If you don't believe that you can increase it, if you don't believe you can prosper, it, then you have nothing to aim for. You have nothing to hope for, nothing for your faith to work on. If you believe that the job that you have, that they won't pay you any more money, then you're not going to get any more money. Now, the company I work for, they didn't pay me commission. They didn't pay me commission on my sales when I got when I sold stuff. I didn't make money on the on the stuff that I sold. But the more stuff I took in, the more time it took. So the more money I got paid, I was generally in overtime on my third day. So that was good. I got paid that way. That was was all right. But you got to believe in it. You got to know. But make sure you don't misplace that faith. My faith always had to be: God will prosper this route. God will prosper me. If I ever put it into the hands of one of these large accounts and said they will prosper me, and they decide to do something funny, I got problems. Don't ever do that. Don't ever mis- misplace the faith. Because misplaced faith causes misguided hope and mistaken benefits. I begin to think, oh, I can have this. This person has to give me their business. No, they don't. They don't have to give you your business. That person you're working for does not have to give you a raise. It's better for them if they do. But God will say, don't worry about it. If they won't give you a raise, I'll find someone else out here. And they'll give you that raise. They'll pay you that extra money. But then you gotta be having that confidence in God when God says, alright, it's time to move, move over to this job. Take this one over here. Then you go ahead and do it. Don't follow dissatisfaction. Follow the leading of the Spirit. How many of y'all ever had a job and you've been dissatisfied on it? Yeah, we all have had that, right? Never follow dissatisfaction. If you follow dissatisfaction, you are following feelings and you will surely come to a bad end on that. Don't follow that you follow the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God says, all right, time's up, we're going to move you over here. Then you follow. Don't follow any other thing. I'd stay on that more, but I think you all got the idea. Well, even in an area of healing, you can have this. Sometimes we have our faith and our confidence in God. God, I believe in the power of healing that it came on my body and that I'm healed. But then all of a sudden, I begin to get my faith changed. How does my faith change on that? Well, you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a report and says, you know what? You're doing better. The condition is clearing up. You're looking a little bit better. And i got to be careful there because I can switch my faith from not believing circumstances and feelings to believing the word of the report. And I'm believing the word. The report said I'm doing good. The report said I'm doing better. And then a week later, I go back and get another checkup or... Month later, whatever it is, and all of a sudden, uh, my faith is now has been switched. I didn't necessarily know it, but my faith began to be switched. I'm beginning to believe in the good report. And now all of a sudden, the report comes in oh, all the gains you made, they all went away. You're looking worse now than when you first came here. What happens to me on the inside? If I switch my faith and put my faith in the reports, I'm devastated. But if I kept my faith in God, I really didn't care what you said anyway. I'm just here because you know I have to keep coming in for these these uh, checkups or insurance reasons or whatever it might be. I'm okay still. I'm not dependent on that. Don't ever get dependent on having good reports. It don't matter having good reports or bad reports. You just keep on going. Have the faith in the right thing. I want to take you to the Scripture here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. They cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Is the power to walk on water present? How did the power to walk on water become present? Jesus was operating it, obviously, and Jesus said, come, somewhere along the line, something like that, put it in. But the power to walk on water was present. I like what, uh, I think it was Doug Jones who was one time ministering on this verse of Scripture, and he asked the question about this, and I had never thought of it until he... He had mentioned that, but he says, why is this verse, this, this, this uh, section of Scripture, why is it in the Word of God? Is it here to inspire us to walk on water? How many people you know go out here and walk on water after they get here in this verse? Now we got some things going on at the pool. You all can try it. See if the anointing is present. If this Scripture is not here to inspire us to walk on water, why is this Scripture here? it shows us some things about the power and about shutting down the power. When he said that, I said, yeah, that's probably about right. I can't really see any other reason that this would be here. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, in the process of this, does the power that is present, to walk on water, stop. <laughs> Y'all are thinking about that for a little bit. Just to, well, It's not working for Peter anymore. But the power didn't stop, did it? It's still working in Jesus. Jesus is still walking on water. So the power to walk on water is still present. But Peter is not operating in that power anymore. He was. And then he stopped. But Jesus still continued to operate in that power. But Peter is not. Now, we told you this truth before. Just because the power to heal is present doesn't mean you will benefit from it. Like we told you back in the other stories. The power of the Lord was present to heal them, and yet Him was healed. The power for healing was present with Jesus, but the woman touching His garment was the only one who was healed. The power to heal heal was present. It apparently wasn't the power to heal her. Otherwise Jesus might have known something about the her. But he didn't know who it was. So the power to walk on water is still present, but Peter's not walking in it. He was. He was walking in it. Have you ever had hands laid on you for some, for a condition? And the condition began to improve. And then you got a report from the doctor? That was negative, and what you saw as improving in that condition suddenly went south. You are feeling effects in your body of being healed. You are feeling a change in your body, and then you get this report or this thought comes in and shuts it all down. You know what? The power to heal is still present in your body. The power to walk on water was still present, wasn't it? Peter stopped walking in it. Why did Peter stop walking in the power to heal or to, to walk on water? Why'd he do it? Because of doubt. Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Now, why did Peter doubt? When he first jumped out of the boat, he's looking at Jesus and hearing the command to come. But after he got on the water, what did he start looking at? Start looking at the wind, the waves coming on up. Oh man. I, he may have been thinking that when the command came to, for me to come and walk on the water, that the water should have changed. And the water should not have had as many high waves. He may have been thinking that. Peter may have thought the promise meant the wind and waves would stop. But that's not always the case. Just because the power to heal when in your body does not mean that all circumstances that are telling you that you're not healed have to stop. Well, I meant something to somebody. <laughs> Just because the power to heal went into your body does not mean the wind and the waves have to stop in your body. And the presence of the wind and the waves does not mean that the power to heal is not going on. Don't look at the wind and the waves, don't look at the aches and the pains. Don't look at what you continually feel in your body or what you hear from your doctor or what you hear from your relatives or what you see in the mirror or whatever else is going on. Peter is walking on water. It's just like a guy, initially, hands are laid on him. Comes out of there skipping away, hopping away and then all of a sudden the next day he feels a pain. He says, like, oh, I guess I'm not healed. And begins to sink Because he started looking at the wind and the waves. But the power to walk on water is still present. It's still present. So when Jesus issues the command, Come, the power to walk on water is still present. So does it stop? No. What causes Peter sinking? Doubt. Looking at the wind and the waves. And Jesus is still walking. Jesus is not affected by Peter's doubt. And notice, I love this part. Peter's doubt does not shut down the power of God. Isn't that amazing? How many of you have heard stuff, thought stuff, began to ponder things, you think the doubt will shut down the power of God? But Jesus is still walking. In fact, He's still walking and reaches down, grabs Peter, pulls him up. He's walking so well, He can pull somebody on up. Now, I don't know about you, and and the Scripture doesn't tell us this. I just kind of formulated a picture whenever I read this story. I formulated a picture in my mind. And when I see Peter going down in the waves, I don't see him going all the way down and Jesus reaching down into the water. Because he says, Lord, I'm sinking. I don't think he can say that if you're under the water. Just a supposition. You can test that out when we're at the pool today. Find out. But I don't think you can say that when you're under the water. So Jesus gets them. He's sinking down into the water, but he's not submerged in the water. And when Jesus gets him and pulls him up, I don't see that Jesus carried him into the boat. Now, the Bible doesn't say it. The Bible does not say it. But I have this picture that comes up in my head that they both are walking back to the boat. That's just how I see it. We get up to heaven. Maybe I get corrected on that. Maybe some of you think the same way, get corrected. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say one way or the other, but I don't see him being carried into the boat. I see him walking into the boat, which means he gets restored to that place and he's walking back on the the water again. Well, when healing power comes upon you, what causes it to stop working? What causes it to work? Faith causes it to work. Doubt causes it to stop working. When I get my eyes on the waves, when I get my eyes on the, on the wind and the storm and the things that are going on around me, that causes it to stop working. But what caused it to work was faith. you got to have that faith. So, can it be restarted or do you need hands laid on you again? Go back to the story here in Matthew. Does Jesus say to Peter, come a second time? No. He only said it one time. And Jesus never said anything more to him. He just reaches down and pulls him back up. That power was still operating. Peter could still operate in that power. Folks, if you get prayer for something in your body. Say that you had something going on with your kidney. Let's just pull out kidneys here. You have something going on with your kidney. And you go up. Hands are laid on you. Power of God goes into your body to work a healing in that kidney. From that point on, folks, you don't ever need to get prayed for for that kidney again. It's done. Healing power is at work in you. But the question might come up. Well, if I got healing power at work in me, maybe I just never need to get prayed for again. I mean, if I got healing power just working a healing on my kidney, maybe I get a headache, I just draw off of that healing power that's in me. That would seem ra- reasonable, wouldn't it? Except if you take on something else. This is all in the same, same thing. We tied healing and salvation together. Healing and forgiveness, things like that. If you sin, what is your way out? If you're born again and you sin, what is your way out? You repent. If you repent for lying and you lie again, do you need to repent again? If you repented for lying and you went and stole something, do you need to repent again? How many times do you need to repent? Whenever you sin, you need to go out there and repent. Do you need to repent more than one time? For for one sin? No, just one time, right? All you need to do is come to God and say, "Father God, I blew it, I missed it." You don't ever need to come back to Him with that thing again, do you? So just treat healing in the same way. You get something going on—headaches, joint pain, back pain, whatever it might be—and it comes up in your body. All you need to do is get prayed for it one time. Now I'm not telling that you missed it, you sinned if you got prayed for it twice. I'm not trying to get into that part. I'm just trying to let you know that it... you know what I got prayer for that. I, I it hasn't been working. I haven't done much with it, but i got prayer for that. Alright, I'm just going to start that thing going again. How do you start it going again? Just start believing and stop doubting. Just like Peter. He stopped looking at the waves, stopped doubting, start believing again. That's all you got to do. And you can get that healing power working in your body again. That's all you got to do. Just go back there, Father God, I let this healing power lie dormant in my body and I didn't do anything with it. I'm going to put it to work now give it to you in another example. How many of you all get, when you were younger, maybe even now, you get a birthday card, Father's Day card, Mother's Day card, and in that card there's money. $10, $15, $20, something like that. There's some money inside that card. Now you have that card, and you put, you look at that, oh, that was so nice, they sent me this, I'm going to send them a thank you note. And you put that card up, and you forget about it. And then, you know, Six months, eight months later, you stumble upon the card, you find a card, and inside is the card is what? The $10, $15, $20. Whatever was in there is still in there. Do you need to call that person up and say, I just found this card again. Would you mind resending me that $20? You can try it. That's it. (laughs) Worth a shot, huh? Now it's still in the cart. St- just because it lay dormant didn't mean it still isn't useful. You know, a six-month-old $20 bill is still just as good as a brand new one. Just pull that sucker out there and start using it. That's all you need to do. Just get up there and repent. Father God, I'm sorry I let this healing power be in my body and reside dormant. I won't do that anymore. I'm going to mix my faith with it and get it going again. But if you get another condition in your body, get up there and get prayed for. Use the name of Jesus on it. Whatever whichever method you want to do, there's all kinds of methods. We talked a little bit about that. Just get out there and do it. I told you this before, but it's worth repeating. You can have the healing power of God in you and it not benefit you. You can have the healing power of God in you and it not benefit you. Look at it this way. Can you have faith and it not benefit you? Sure you can. Doesn't James talk about that? Faith without works is useless. But you have it. But there's no works associated with it. So it's useless to you. Faith without works is dead. Can you have the love of God in you and it not benefit you? You get born again. Isn't the love of God poured into your heart? Have you had people that the love of God, that's already poured into your heart, you are not pouring it back out of? Towards them? You can have the love of God in you and it not benefit you. You can have the faith of God in you and it not benefit you. You can have the healing power of God in you and it not benefit you. Just because it's not benefiting you though doesn't mean it's not in you. You don't need to go to God and say, Father God, I need more love. God will just say, get saved. You don't need to go to guys. say, God, I need more faith. Because Jesus will just tell you, you got a little bit of faith, you can move a whole mountain. You have the healing power of God in you. That's all you need. Get it going. Start it up again. I wrote this down. This is one of my principles I wrote down a long time ago. Doug Jones shared this one with us. Once the power is obtained, it must be maintained. Have I never shared that with you before? You write it down in your principal book. Once the power is obtained, it must be maintained. Once a car is obtained, doesn't it have to be maintained? If you want that car to give you some some benefit, some good, you got to maintain it. you got to put gas in it. You've got to change the oil. you got to get it inspected. Check the brakes. Vacuum it out once in a while. Wash it's good. Some things you can do just to maintain it, but you maintain the car, it treats you pretty good. Once the power is obtained, it must be maintained. Don't be sitting there saying, well, I got prayed for that thing. I guess it's not working in me anymore. Sure it is. It's there and you can start it up right now. You can start it up right now. You say, Father God, I received healing power. Now, if you're sitting there, you say, well, I didn't feel anything. How many of you would say that hands were laid on you before and you didn't feel anything? How many times in the Word of God do we have it that people told us they felt something? When someone prayed over them, how many times do we hear in the Word of God that the people actually said they felt something? One time. How many times in the Word of God does Jesus ever say He felt something go out of Him? One time. And it's all in the same story. The woman with the issue of blood is the only one that we ever hear that Jesus felt the power go out of Him and she said she felt it come into her. It's the only time. All the other ones, we don't have anybody saying that they felt anything, but there were some pretty strong miracles going on. You don't have to have felt anything because it's not based on feeling. What's it based on? Faith. Faith. Father God, I believe that when I did what Your Word said, I had hands laid on me that the power to heal entered my body and it's working in me mightily to cause my condition to cease. Cause health in my body. Whatever it is that you need. And how do you maintain it? Every time that your mind wants to try and distract you and get you focusing on the waves, what do you do? I'm focusing back on Jesus. I'm getting my sight back on Jesus. I'm I'm looking this way. He said this. He said come. Peter said he said come. I'm going to go. Come. That's all I have to focus on. That's all I got to do. Cuz your body will keep trying to tell you some, some some other things. Keep trying to say, "No, it's not done yet. You still got this going on. You still have this going on. Shut up, body." I believe the power of God entered my body and it is working. Presently, healing my body, keeping me going. Shared that story with you last week. Brother Hagin shared with us on um, keeping the switch of faith turned on. Keep maintaining it. Keep maintaining it. Every time you look at that condition, you don't see just what you see. You stand there and you say, Nah, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. The Word of God said, I'm healed. Word of God said, I'm healthy. Take heed what you hear. Be careful what you say. And be mindful of your meditations. Take heed what you hear. Be careful what you say. And mindful of your meditations. Now I want you to think about this thing. I hear hear people say this. The last few weeks, I've still been hearing people say this. I've shut my mouth about it because I figured, you know what, we're going to eventually get on this. So be mindful of this. This is why we laid this thing out here for you this way. First off, there's the things that I have. Secondly, there's the things that I aim for. And thirdly, there's the things that I endure. Is there anything that Peter or the disciples said that created the storm? They did not say a thing, did they? As far as we know, is there anything that the lady with the issue of blood said that caused her to have the issue of blood? Is there anything as far as we know that caused blind Bartimaeus to be blind? Is there anything that Peter's mother-in-law said that caused her to be sick? With a fever. And I can keep on going down the list. There's a lot of times that people are afraid to say what they have, to say what they're aiming for. Or to even acknowledge the wind, waves, and storm around them for fear of creating something. You Let me put it to you this way. You cannot create what you already have. Right? You cannot create what you already have. If you don't have kids, you can bring them into existence, can you? But if, you are, if they're already there, you can deny them all you want to. They're not my kids. <laughs> but they're still there. No matter what you say with your mouth, they're still there. Right? You cannot create what you already have. And you don't necessarily have to say anything to create a storm. When Jesus taught us about the two men who built a house on the shore... And the storm came. Did he mention anything about what they said that brought the storm upon them? Stop being in fear that if you acknowledge that there are waves, that you will create them. You cannot create what you already have. You cannot create what is around you. And denying what is going on does not help your case, nor does it improve your faith. You do not need to deny it. You do not need to go around and say, "I do not have a headache." I do not have a headache. I do not have a headache. You don't need to do it. You don't need to go around and say, "It does not hurt." It does not hurt. It does not hurt. You know what? It does hurt. That's why you're mindful of it. Headaches do hurt. The pain is there. And if you go out and and someone says, "How are you doing?" I'm feeling great. Well, you look like you are in pain. I'm not really. I'm, I'm fine. You cannot create what you already have. Now see. Some, we get in... Like Brother Hagin used to always tell us, there's a ditch on the left side of the road and there's a ditch on the right side of the road. Try and stay in the middle. Every time you go bowling, you ought to think about that. There's a ditch on the left side and there's a ditch on the right side. They're both just as bad. It's not like the left side is the worst worst ditch. And if you get in that one, you lose points. But if you stay in the right one, it's bad. The best thing to do is stay in the center. So sometimes people get out and they're either over here talking so negative about all they have, they're never aiming for anything. All they're talking about is what they have. Oh, I got this pain. Oh, I got this pain. Oh, and life's so bad. Oh, my job is no good. That's all they talk about. They're in a ditch on the one side. Then you got people that are in a ditch on the other side. They don't acknowledge the job they have, they only talk about the job they want. They don't acknowledge the car they have, they only talk about the car they want. They just deny everything. You don't have to deny circumstances to get over them. Jesus went up to dead people, and what do you call them? Dead. Jesus went up to blind people. And what did He call them? Blind. Blind. Jesus didn't go up to Peter's mother-in-law and saying, what's wrong with you? I don't have a fever. (laughs) He didn't do that. You do not have to deny that there are wind and waves around to walk on water. Peter did not have to deny the existence of the wind and the waves. He had to stop focusing on them. The presence of the winds and the waves did not cause him to go down. It was the focus on the wind and the waves that got his focus off the power to walk on water that came from Jesus. You can acknowledge your circumstances all you want as long as it does not get you off focusing on the power of the healer. I enjoy it when I go out to somebody who's believing God to get over headaches. How are you doing today? Man, not a headache in days. Talk to him another time. Man, I suffered with a tough one yesterday, but I got through it. I kept confessing the Word of God here on this. I appreciate talking to folks like that. They'll just tell me how things are. And we can pray better. If I keep going up to you, how are they doing? They're great. They're great. I'm thinking, all right, this battle's over. We must just move on to another one. No sense focusing on this one anymore. No, you can can acknowledge that there are wind and waves and still walk on water. As long as your focus is on Jesus. I love that about this story. Notice that when Matthew wrote about this, he didn't leave the wind and the waves out. Because he was a faith man, he talked about the wind and the waves. You can acknowledge I have this condition going on. It's been a little painful for me to do this. But I got hands laid on me. And the power of God is in me working and healing in my body to overcome that thing. You can do it. I haven't talked doubt and unbelief. I've talked complete belief in what God is doing. But I can still acknowledge the wind and waves. I can still acknowledge I'm in a storm right now. I don't have to deny a storm. I can acknowledge I'm in a storm. But I acknowledge the One who's greater than my storm. And I look to that. Faith, folks, is not denying circumstances. And you cannot create what you already have. If you have headaches, you can't create them by saying them. Can you? You already have them. Can't create what you already got. You got pain in your knees... Pain in your hips, pain in your elbows, pain in your back. You can't create it by saying, oh, I got pain in my body. You can't create it. It's already there. It is already there. I'm not trying to deny what I have. What I'm looking to do is to maintain the power to heal in my body so I can overcome this thing. I'm going to overcome it. And every time I talk about that thing, glory to God. I know it's getting better. I know it's getting better. My body wasn't telling me it was getting better yesterday. It was giving me some trouble. I can acknowledge that. It's alright. But, the power of God is at work in me to bring about a healing. To bring about a total cure over this thing. Glory to God. Would you all stand up? Whatever causes... So the last thing I put in your outline. Whatever causes you are dedicated to dominate the words of your mind and mouth. Whatever causes you are dedicated to dominate the words of your mind and mouth. You think about this. Any cause that you have, whether you are dating a girl or a guy, whether you are going to school, whether you are pursuing a new job, whatever cause that you are just dominated by, Dominate your thoughts, your mind and your mouth. It takes over all of them. If you want to get into this cause of getting healed over whatever condition you have, let it dominate your mind and your mouth. but not the wave, the wind and the waves. What should dominate you is the power of healing, is the words of Jesus. In that story we saw in Matthew, Jesus said, "Come. That's it. One word, and a man can walk on water. That's pretty staggering. One word. Jesus was never one who had long prayers. Lazarus, come forth. Dead man gets up. Another guy, he reaches into a coffin and pulls him out. He didn't even say nothing. He then pulls him out. No words at all. You don't need long prayers to get your healing going on. All you need to do is believe the power of God is in me. The power of God is in me. Glory to God. As we celebrate communion here this morning. I told you before, it's tied in with, with God's healing power. Salvation and healing are all in the same act. The act of the cross. Jesus when He was first brought before Pilate, was beaten. He was whipped. His body was bloodied. It said He was beaten so bad you could almost not recognize Him. That's how bad He was beaten. And Isaiah tells us that it was those beatings that He took that brought about our salvation. I'm sorry, our our healing. It's His blood that brought about our salvation. It's His blood on the cross that brought about our salvation. But it's the beating He took Before he ever went there. That's what brought about our healing. That's what Isaiah tells us. By his stripes. We are healed. By his stripes. We are healed. Glory to God.